hello, it's Silly and Sissy, everybody's favorite auntie. We're here to have some fun on this last day of Hanukkah. We're wrapping up Hanukkah. We're getting ready for Christmas joy, because that's the way I am. I do Hanukkah and Christmas joy. I love it all, because my name is Silly and Sissy. And I'll give you some Hanukkah and Christmas joy. And now we'll sing a song of Christmas joy. <laughs> and we'll have some fun on Hanukkah and Christmas Eve. And we'll make a goose for Tiny Tim. But for now, we're going to read some stories. And on Christmas Eve, don't forget to watch... It's a Wonderful Life, and all your favorites, a kid might like Miracle on 34th Street, if they're dreaming, and of course, you gotta watch Charlie Brown's Christmas, if you got Apple, if not, buy the DVD, and I'll be reading Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, so don't you forget, we'll watch Frosty too, cause that's the best. Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Find some songs. Find some Christmas songs uh, on um, um, iHeartRadio or Pandora or anywhere really. But uh, my favorite new one, Cirrus. Cirrus. So, that's great. One dollar. No, they're not my sponsor, but maybe. No, but they're a dollar for three months right now. And free Hulu. So, let's do it. Treehouse. This is by Shel Silverstein. A treehouse, a treehouse, a free house, a secret you and me house. A high house up the leafy branches, cozy as can be house. A street house, a neat house, be sure and wipe your feet house. It's not my kind of house at all. Let's go live in a tree house. The Flying Festone. Oh, I'm going to ride in the Flying Festone. I'll jump on his back and I'll whistle a tune. And we'll fly to the outermost tip of the moon. The Flying Festoon and I, I'm taking a sandwich and ball and prune. And we're going live this evening. We're leaving this evening precisely at noon. For I'm going to fly with the flying festoon just as soon as he learns how to fly. Alright, the last one. No difference. Small as a peanut, big as a giant, we're all the same size when we turn off the light. Rich as a sultan, poor as a mite, we're all worth the same when we turn off the light. Red, black, or orange, yellow, or white, we all look the same when we turn off the light. So maybe the way to make everything right is for God to just reach out and turn off the light. Wow. Well, I lied. Let's do one more. Invisible Boy. And here we see the Invisible Boy in his lovely invisible house feeding a piece of invisible cheese to a little invisible mouse. Oh, what a beautiful picture to see. Will you draw me an invisible picture for me? Okay, I lied again. I, I love these poems. Tight hat. I tried to tip my hat to Miss McCarthy. I never should have put it on so tight because it wouldn't come off my head. And my neck got stretched instead. That's what we get for trying to be polite. Oh no, never say that.
Oh no, here's a good one. And we're going to end on the peanut butter sandwich. I'll sing you a poem of silly young king who played with the world at the end of a string. But he only loved one single thing, and that was just a peanut butter sandwich. He royal gowns. His regal throne and golden crowns were brown and sticky from the mounds and drippings from each peanut butter sandwich. His subjects all were silly fools, for he had passed the royal rule that all he could learn in school was how to make a peanut butter sandwich. He would not eat his sovereign steak. He scorned his soup and nightly kingly cake and told his courtly cook to bake an extra sticky peanut butter sandwich. And then one day he took a bite and started chewing with delight, but found his mouth was stuck quite tight. And that last bit of peanut butter sandwich, his brother pulled his sister pride. The wizard pushed his mother cried. My boy's committed suicide for eating his last peanut butter sandwich. The dentist came in the royal dock. The royal plumber banged and knocked, but still those jaws tightly locked. Oh, darn that sticky peanut butter sandwich. The carpentry tried with pliers. The telephone man tried with wires. The firemen, they tried with fire, but couldn't melt that peanut butter sandwich. With rope and pulleys, drills and coil, with strem and lubricating oil, for 20 years of tears and toil, they fought that awful peanut butter sandwich. Then all his royal subjects came. They hooked his jaws with grappling chains and pulled both ways with might and main against that stubborn peanut butter sandwich. Each man and woman, girl and boy, put down their plows and pots and toys and pulled until kerchunk, oh joy, they bought right through their peanut butter sandwich. A puff of dust, a screech, a squeak, the king's jaw opened with a creak, and then in a voice so faint and weak, the first words that he, they heard him speak were, How about a peanut butter sandwich? <laughs> All right. And next week, next day, we're going to read Lazy Jane. All right, guys. So we are now finishing the boxcar children. Do you remember the last time um, they were looking for Joe? And they had the apple pie. And now we're on chapter 12. So we'll read a couple more chapters tonight. How about it? The boxcar children. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And when we finish this, we'll read the best Christmas pageant ever. We'll move on to Christmas. How about it? The picnic. The children were waiting upon the dock when Joe came back. But it's too late then to find Mr. Browning. Jesse began, you know, Joe, Grandfather and we said we should never build a fire outdoors unless someone older helped us. Now we have such a good place for a picnic. We thought we'd invite our school friends over for a picnic on the beach. They have never seen the island. I'll be glad to help you build a fire if that's what you want, said Joe. Oh, thanks, Joe, said Jesse. The four children invited their friends over. Captain Daniels invited their friends over Captain Daniels' telephone. All of them said that they would come. Henry's friend was a tall boy named Morris Wilder, and Jesse's friend was Morris's sister, Marjorie. Violet invited her friend Barbara Black. Benny surprised them by saying he wanted to invite Mike Wood, a little boy who was always in trouble. 
Mike and Benny will be quite a pair, cried Henry. But I suppose he can find anyone likes. he likes. We all did. We'll have some fish chowder for dinner, said Jessie. We'll always get some fish from, we can always get some fish from Captain Daniels. And we'll all bake blueberries after the others get here. And we'll all pick blueberries, rather, after the others get here, said Henry. That will be something to do. When the guests arrived, Watch was very excited. Mike had brought his big white dog, Spotty, with him. Jesse had a hard time trying to keep up the dogs, keep the dogs from fighting. But after a lot of barking, Watch and Spotty were friends. Let's race the dogs, Ben, cried Mike, who would never be still very long. The two boys held the dogs for a minute and then let them go. Both dogs seemed to understand, for they raced to the beach where they dropped and panted on the sand beside Joe. Watch knew the way, and he got there first. Spotty got there first, shouted Mike. He did not, cried Benny. He didn't even know the way. Benny, Benny, said Henry, don't start the picnic fighting. Watch got there first, and you know it, said Benny. Spot is better than Watch, said Mike. Spotty is not better than Watch, shouted Benny. Watch can run faster than Spotty. And he got there first in the race. You started this fight, Ben, said Mike. I did not start it, shouted Benny. Yes, you did too, shouted Mike. Now you listen to me, young fellow, said Morris, catching Mike's hand. You stop or you'll have to go home. Mike began to jump up and down when suddenly he jumped up on a very sharp shout. Then Mike sat down holding his foot and crying at the same time. Henry sat down too and tried to look at Mike's foot. He took out his box of things for fixing cuts. Keep still now, Mike, he said. You've got a long cut here, but it's not deep. Let me fix it. The cut foot was a big help to everyone. It kept Mike in, silent, in sight all morning while the four older children and Joe picked blueberries. At night, Jesse and Violet watched while Joe made a fire and boiled some water. Henry and Morris cut the potatoes and onions, and the chowder was soon ready. Everyone enjoyed the chowder and the boys had made enough extra for supper, too. After blueberries and milk, Jesse and Violet washed the dishes in the ocean, while Benny and Mike walked away slowly. Keep an eye on Mike, Henry, said Jesse. I can see them. They're just sitting over there on the rocks, said Henry. By the next time he looked, the boys had gone. Where could they go, he cried, getting up quickly. There's no place for them to go, because I can see the whole beach. But the little boys were not in sight. As Henry climbed upon the rocks, he sat very still. He was very glad to hear Benny's voice. I wonder who left the bottle there, said Benny. Well, Henry and Morris looked under the rocks into a teeny cave. How in the world did you boys get in there, asked Henry. The stone came off, said Benny. It was like a door and we pulled it away. It was awfully heavy. Say, you fellows, climb out of there and let us go in, said Morris. The little boys obeyed at once, and the two older boys crawled in and looked around. They saw a big stone table with an old bottle on it. Let's take out the bottle, said Henry. There may be something inside. Look, Joe, said Morris. See what Ben and Mike found? There's a paper inside the bottle, said Henry. Shall we take it out? Why not, said Joe, turning it over. Maybe there's a name on the paper. Let me get the paper out with my knife, said Henry. The mouth of the bottle was just wide enough for the knife. Henry pulled the paper out easily and read, If found, give to J. Alden, six feet, six feet from cross to Red Rock and three feet down, J.A. and R.W. Grandfather must have left it here when he was a boy, said Henry, but I don't see any cross. 
I do, said Mike. It's right over there. He pointed at a strange rock. It did look like a cross. And there's the red rock. See? This will be easy. You run a string from the cross straight to the red rock. Then what does it say? He looked at the paper again. Six feet. Well, six feet from the cross, you dug for three feet. There. That must be something there. The children were excited as they tied the string to the red rock. Joe st showed them where six feet would be. Then they took turns digging with a spoon, with Watch and Spotty helping them. They dug a hole three feet deep, but there was nothing in it but water. After an hour's digging, they still had not found anything. We can dig some other day, said Henry at last. It must be down twelve feet, since the paper is very old. All the children but Mike were tired and very glad to sit on the grass. The little fellow still sat beside the hole with Spotty, digging away with a spoon. Then suddenly he began to shout, it's mine, all mine, because I found it. You can't say it isn't, because you all stopped digging. When the children ran to the hole, they saw Mike pulling out a black box with wet sand. And Mike went right on shouting, I found the cave, too, and made Ben help me take the door off. And I found the cross, and I dug out the box, and it's mine. Don't talk so much. Of course it's yours, Mike, said Henry. Why don't you open it? It was not hard to do, because the box was very old. Mike pulled off the cover with his fingers, and the children sat with a pile of old money. Mike put the money, one piece at a time, in the corner of the box. Just five dollars, said Morris. What a lot of money, Mike. Grandfather will, will give him a five-dollar bill, said Jesse. I think he would like to keep this old money. He put, he put here when he was a boy. Wouldn't he just like to have a new five-dollar bill, Mike? Yes, of course, said Mike, who never even a dollar bill before in his whole life. Just then, the children heard a shout coming over the water. Then they noticed a boy in a rowboat who was standing up shouting and pointing at the water. A dark head sho showed for a minute and then went out of sight. There's somebody in the water, too, cried Morris. Henry heard Joe say to himself, I'm well now. I'm not afraid. Joe took off his shoes. Bring the boat here, he shouted to the boy in the boat. But the boat went right past him. Oh, come back, Joe, cried Benny. He'll come back all right. He's a wonderful swimmer. Look. As Morris spoke, Joe swam underwater suddenly. When he came up, he was pulling the boy to the rowboat. It seemed hours before fi Joe finally got the boy into the boat and pulled himself in. Good for Joe. I hope he got them in, here in time. Everybody ought to know how to swim, said Morris. That boy was afraid. He just stood there and yelled. He couldn't even bring the boat over when Joe asked him to. All the time, Mike had not said anything. He stood very still as he looked over the water. The little fellow seemed to have turned it to stone. Why are you so scared, asked Benny. I think it's Pat, said Mike, still staring at the boat. Pat, who is he, asked Henry. He's my brother, said Mike. He's 11 years old. I think he was the one in the water. You can see that far, said Morris. What makes you think so, Mike? Well, I told him there would be something to eat at this picnic and that maybe we'd play ball. I begin to see, Look, said Henry, looking at Morris. Do you know who the other boy is? Maybe Johnny, said Mike. I told Johnny, too, and he knew about a rowboat he could get. How did they get the boat, asked Morris. They just took it. What an awful thing to do, shouted Henry. Besides, they can't swim or row. It did seem so, for Joe was rowing. One boy was out of sight in the boat and the other boy at the end. When Jessie saw the boat coming, she called to Marjorie. Let's run to the barn and get some blankets and towels. Good for you, Jessie, called Joe when the girls brought the blankets. Lay them down on the other side of the fire. 
Jesse and Marjorie spread out the blankets while Henry and Morris caught the boat as it landed on the beach. It's Pat, said Mike in a frightened voice. Isn't it Johnny? Yes, said Johnny, but he'll be all right. This man said so. He's lucky, said Henry, lucky that Joe knew how to swim. Pat was very still when the boys helped Joe lift him out of the boat and roll him in a blanket by the fire. We won't talk to him now, said Joe, rubbing the boy's hair with a towel. We'll let him sleep first. He's all tired out. I guess you won't have to talk to him, said Johnny, who was very white. We won't ever take a boat again. No, I don't believe you will either, called Joe, as he went back to the hut for dry clothes. Just then Mike said, Pat didn't get any dinner. Will you heat up the chowder for him, Henry? He can't eat while he's sound asleep, can he? asked Morris. No, but he'll wake up when he smells the chowder, said Mike. Maybe I could have some more myself, because I didn't eat much lunch. Ho, oh, should I say you didn't, said Morris, only three bowls full. I'll tell you what we can do, said Joe, who'd come back wearing dry clothes. We have just enough to play ball. If Mike is eating and doesn't want to play. Oh, I want to play. I want to play, shouted Mike, jumping up and down and forgetting about the cut on his foot. And so all the children played ball. Later, there was more chowder for everyone, and Pat did wake up when he smelled the food. This is the best picnic I've ever been to, said Mike, passing his bowl again. Hold on there, warned Joe. Don't give him any more, Henry. Six bowls of chowder in one day are enough for one small boy. Just then, Captain Daniel came with the boat to take the children home. And now Benny began to cry because his friend was going. Ho, oh, what are you crying about, Ben? asked Mike. I wouldn't cry at nothing. So nobody cried when the company started for home in the boat. When Mike could not hear Benny's answer, he put his two hands up to his mouth and shouted, Spotty can run faster than Wodge. Well, Benny, don't you care, said Henry. Just be glad the day is over with no more trouble. You're right, said Joe. What a day. Then Henry remembered that Joe had said he was well again, and when Henry had told Jesse about it later, she thought it was very strange, too. Chapter 13. Joe again. Well, this is the last chapter we'll read. And then we just have two more chapters to find the end. So let's do it. Yes, we will. Joe again. What do you think that means? And why did Joe said? He is well again, huh? Very odd. All right. I wish Mike would come over every day, said Benny. Well, I don't, said all the others at once. Henry looked up. I think we can get along without any company at all. You don't call Joe company, do you, asked Violet. Oh, no, said Henry. He's just one of the family. Why? Did you want to invite him to eat with us? No, said Violet slowly. But today he said I would be ready to play... After my lesson, have him stay to supper, said Jessie. She looked at Henry. Benny, come here. Do you know that today's your birthday? No, said Benny, walking over to his brother. Well, it is. And now, Henry went on, what do you want for a present? We'll buy it for you. Cream, said Benny. Do you mean ice cream, asked Benny? Henry? No, I don't. I mean cream in a bottle like milk, a big bottle, not a little one. That's a queer kind of present, said Violet. You want to drink it? No, I want to put it on some blackberries like Peter Rabbit. We'll get a big bottle of cream then, Jesse, said Henry, laughing. Benny began to jump around the barn and yell. Benny said, Jesse, Violet is going to bake you a birthday cake before she takes her lesson. Is she? I want to watch her make my cake, said Benny. 
Violet got out her cooking things. She laid everything she needed on the pie board. We'll put the candles around the cake, said Violet. I want a candle in the middle, said Benny. Yes, but we want to save the middle, Violet started suddenly. Never mind, Benny doesn't know what we want to save the middle for. The cook looked wonderful, and when Violet took it out of the oven, Benny said, it smells just like a birthday cake. Before she put the frosting on, Violet put the cake on two plates to get cold. Let's sit down, said Jessie, and have a quick lunch of bread and milk. Then Henry can get the cream and candles, and Violet can take her lessons while I wash the dishes. I'll wipe the dishes for you, said Benny. Aren't you a good boy, cried Jessie, and on your birthday, too. You'll have a happy birthday, I'm sure. They were just finishing when Joe and Violet came in carrying their violins. Violet is ready to play for you, said Joe. Will everyone please sit down? Jessie was excited as she sat down on the edge of the boxes between Henry and Benny. Violet did not seem to be either excited or afraid. It was the first time she had played for anyone besides Joe. She waited now, holding her violin for her teacher to tell her where to, to begin. Joe told Violet to stand facing the door. He stood with his back to the wall where he could watch Violet. Then they began to play. Violet's part was very easy, but Joe's part was very hard. It seemed to be only Violet playing that the children heard. Violet did not seem like their sister. Beautiful, cried Jessie at the end. She's good, isn't she, said Joe, turning around one... Wonderful, said Henry. She could be a real violin player, couldn't she, Joe? She could be, and she will be, replied Joe. I wish Violet would play it again so I would get used to it, said Benny. Do play it again, said Jessie. I could listen all day. Violet and Joe began to play the piece again. When they were halfway through, Mr. Browning appeared at the barn door. Violet looked up and smiled, but she did not stop playing. When the piece was finished, Mr. Browning cried, John! Joe turned around and said, Oh, Mr. Browning, he pulled out of his hand. I'm really glad to see you. Everything is all right again. Well, I'm glad to see you, my boy, said Mr. Browning. I have been looking for you for a long time. Here are my friends, said Joe. This is Jessie. Oh, we did meet Mr. Browning, said Jessie, with a smile. We knew him quite well. Please, everyone, sit down. I could never forget the girl who makes apple pies with the green bottle, said Mr. Browning, taking the company chair, or this little girl who plays the violin so well. You see, children, this Joe of yours is my best friend. He's my best friend, said Benny. Yes, I think you told me that when I was here before, answered the man, looking at Benny. But he was my best friend before he was yours. Benny thought this over. He could have two best friends. He said, well, good for you. Will you let me ask him where he has been and what is the matter with him? Nothing is the matter with Joe, said Benny. That's right, said Joe. I wasn't well for a long time. And for a while, I didn't even remember who I was. I'll tell you all about it later. Now I'm better and ready to go back to the museum and to my uncle, if he'll have me. Have you, said Mr. Browning. Your uncle has almost worn himself out worrying about you. Then the sooner the better, said Joe. He works in a museum, thought Henry. He's a very clever man, thought Jessie. Do you really think Joe was a handyman for Captain Daniel? Did you really think Joe was a handyman, asked Mr. Benning. No, said Henry. I thought he worked in a museum, but I was, take, but was taking some time off. I began wondering when he got all those books, said Violet. He found the names of the shelves and flowers right away. 
Joe said, Jesse, do you write all these books? I remember we said the name on the books is just like yours. Joe smiled, but he didn't say anything. I didn't think you knew who he was, said Mr. Bowning. I do, said Benny. He knows more than what is in all the books, and he works in a museum. That's right, said Mr. Browning. He is the head of a museum. Do you think his name is Joseph Alden? Yes, said Benny. I think that, too. Well, it is. It's John Joseph Alden, said Mr. Browning. But you don't understand yet. He is your cousin. What? cried the children together. Yes, said Mr. Browning. Joe's father and your grandfather were brothers. Joe, did you ever live with grandfather? asked Henry. Joe looked at his cousins and said, I used to live there before I went away. And now I think I'll go back. That is, if Uncle James will have me and my cousins don't mind. Mine, cried Henry. It would be wonderful. Oh, Joe, shouted Benny. You can keep an eye on knowing things all the time. I'd rather have you live with us more than even watch. And nobody could even say more than that. Everybody's birthday. Chapter 14. So we'll read that tomorrow. We got two more chapters. So now we know who Joe is. Wowzers. Well, thanks for listening to Silly and Sissy Reads to You. What a wonderful radio theater day. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. Get ready for the New Year. Smile and remember Tiny Tim.